Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 517. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We all saw America's Ass this weekend. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Yeah, a lot of focus on America's Ass. Yes, we can. Yes, we, <laughs> yes, <did>. we can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what did you two think of Endgame? Well, without spoiling anything, um, it made my face melt off. Just like gone. Um the tears were real. I did not think that I would get that emotional over Endgame, but I definitely did. And I thought that it was a really satisfying wrap like to this phase. I was thoroughly impressed not just by the uh just like the storyline that they concocted and how they were able to kind of lead up to this point in time, like this last little bit of the puzzle. But I was also really impressed by the pacing. Anytime somebody has a movie that's that long, it it's kind of daunting to go into it thinking like, do they really need it to be that long? Same. This is the same thing I think about when somebody says, guess what? Surprise, we're going to split our last film into two pieces. It's like, does it really need to be that long? Or could it have been cut down? But I really felt like the pacing was really good. Nothing really felt like it didn't have to be there. And I also cried a lot. So yeah, I feel you, Laura. It did not feel like a three-hour movie, though. No. I, I went a second time, and I thought that it was just as engaging start to finish the second time, too. Yeah. I saw a choice as well, and I think I felt the same way. I didn't go to the bathroom the entire first showing. I was very pleased with myself. And Laura, I believe we, we touched on this on Landy over the weekend. You ended up seeing it Friday night as planned. You didn't cheat on your friends, right? No. I mean, that was my choice. Or excuse me, it wouldn't have been my choice. It was Mark's choice not to cheat on our friends. Yeah. Because he's just a better person than I am. <laughs> yeah. So the movie made all of the money. It's the first film in history to make more than $300 million domestically in its opening weekend. It is also the first film in history to make more than $1 billion in its opening weekend globally. The previous record holders were Infinity War and The Force Awakens. So <laughs> the last movie to break the record was the, the movie that came before Endgame. It's just insane. My theater was absolutely packed. And so went Thursday, packed, went again Saturday, packed. I'm so glad we went Thursday night, though. It can really, as you two, I'm sure, can attest, it can really vary night to night in terms of how the audience responds to things. Thursday night, the audience was just on fire. During that whole battle sequence at the end, 
it felt like a football game was going on. Like my entire audience was hooting and hollering. I swear, like most of the guys in the theater had boners because everyone was losing their minds. Like when uh, Cap gets a certain something during the battle, and that bat and Cap versus Thanos was just incredible. Man, people were losing their minds. It was so much fun. Yeah, it was definitely the same in mine, and like heavy applause anytime there was a reference uh, to another film in the MCU or anytime a character got a particularly um, epic moment. And mm-hmm. also like during the credit scene or not, there was no end credit scene, but like during the scenes where they were showing pictures of the cast and stuff, people were like losing it, especially for really prominent members. Yeah. I see your note here, Laura, that your theater was fucking hot because oh it was so bad. God, How is that possible? Every well, every seat was full, and the theater we go to is a little older, so I I guess their AC couldn't handle just like the palpable amount of like anxious fanboy sweat that was happening in the theater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, like we left and got outside, and it was like a cool spring night, and we were like, oh thank God. Your note oh, amuses amuses me because by the end of the Thursday night showing, I was sweating in my theater and. When I turned to Pat, I said, are you, is it just me or is it hot in here? And I think he thought I was joking, but no, I was actually sweating. And I think it was because how crowded the theater was and they just didn't compensate by turning the AC on, <laughs> running it a little more often. Both nights that we went, we had assholes talking. The first night, the there was this guy in like one of the f- first three rows who was just dropping this random commentary throughout. And you know, when... When a large audience is sitting in the theater for three hours, people are going to start getting testy. So by the end of it, somebody just yelled, shut the fuck up. <laughs> we had Good. a talker right at the beginning of my the when I went on. I went on Friday morning at eight o'clock in the morning, which was the first showing of the day at, at my theater. And I was shocked about like how packed it was. And mm-hmm. right when the film started, well, like right kind of like like a little bit later they the guy like one row up from me started explaining some kind of lore and i thought to myself this is not the time or the place buddy if your friend does not know what's going on you guys gotta wait because i can't have that the whole time but thankfully it was just like the one time he needed to explain something that i was already kind of worried that he was going to be doing that throughout the whole three hours which would not have been fun i had a mom and son sitting next to me both older and the son had to explain to mom a few different things and I didn't say anything. But then the second time we went to Pat's left, a woman was doing offering sign language commentary during the movie, because I guess the woman that she came with can also uh, understand sign language. So she was commenting with sign language, but it's like, that's just as bad as talking because she's throwing her arms up and doing sign language. You don't need to do that during a movie. She probably thinks she's all clever and like, created the best way to talk during the movie but no it still bothers people next to you and then the people to my right were talking quote-unquote quietly uh we didn't say anything to either of these people but it's like people please put yourself in the shoes of everybody else's who who is in that theater we do not want to hear or see you moving yeah i think what's sad about that is maybe there wasn't like a closed caption 
available movie for her. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. She wasn't signing the whole movie. She was signing every few minutes very briefly. Like she was talking to her friend through sign language. Uh, Okay. Yeah. That would have been my first thought too, Laura. Yeah, no, sorry. I if I didn't clarify that. It was it that was not it. I would be a total dick if I complained <laughs> about that. I know. You're like, how dare a deaf person want to understand what's happening in <laughs> no. this movie? Is <laughs> every 3 minutes or so, very briefly, she would throw up her hands and and sign something. Something that I've seen which is it's kind of funny. Like I've laughed at it. It's mostly been on Twitter. People being like I didn't like the movie. I didn't see the first 21 movies, so I didn't understand what was happening in this one. Get out. <laughs> and I was so like, stupid. I was like, now, wait a second. Are you the kind of person who, like, when you start reading Harry Potter, you start with book seven and then complain that you don't know what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. And, of course, it wasn't just endgame that debuted this weekend there was also the battle of winterfell on game of thrones and laura you told us you were actually a little disappointed yeah i mean i will say you know winterfell more like winter fucked (laughs) um (laughs) no (laughs) i i was a little disappointed and i don't want to give like a ton of context because it's only like a day after the episode aired but i was expecting more payoff out of this. I mean, this has been like an entire show arc like since the very first scene of the first episode, they've been building up to this moment and the outcome just didn't feel earned to me. Yeah. And there are certain like there are certain connections between like certain characters that I I was expecting to be like explained. And it didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just, this was, it was advertised as a bloodbath, which it was, but like, not for anyone I like super cared about. Yeah, I was <laughs> expecting big deaths. Like, I'm a very casual yeah. Game of Thrones fan. And I was like, die, die, somebody, please die. And I, I especially wanted Daenerys to die. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> let this be the one. <laughs> Didn't that Didn't moment at the very end make up for it, though? That was pretty badass. That was really cool. I loved that moment, but I would have liked it placed somewhere else. Like, I don't know. It just... I don't want to say too much here because I don't want to spoil it, but it's just like reaching a particular resolution after one episode of direct conflict is like... Kind of... It just doesn't feel satisfying to me. And I do kind of feel like the reason a lot of people feel that way, because you're not alone, is because everybody knows that we're halfway through the final season. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it's a shorter season and they're not even really extending like all of the episodes and the ones that they are aren't even extended by that much. It does kind of feel rushed when you start to kind of wonder, did it need to be rushed or could you have prolonged this? Because... There's that really funny like uh, graph that somebody drew and tossed up on Twitter like years ago where it's like, you know, shows like the like the way Game of Thrones progresses. And for most of it, it's just like a very casual incline because they take their time with their storytelling. A lot of stuff we had to wait seasons and seasons to find outcomes for. And then all of a sudden within the last like 
two seasons, it just kind of plummets completely down. And it I don't know, it's kind of like the closest thing, probably more recently that I can equate it to is like, the end of the final Hunger Games book, where it also felt really rushed, like, everything happened in the last 50 pages. And then you think to yourself, but we had all this space. And why didn't you address some of this stuff sooner? Or why can't the series be longer? And I really hope that by the time we reach the final episode, it doesn't feel that way. Because if it does, it's just going to suck. Yeah, I agree. What made Game of Thrones so good for the first few seasons was it was a slow burn, like you said. And to me, that's what makes major outcomes, like whether it's character deaths or, you know, comeuppance between characters, um, it makes it feel earned in those cases because we watched everything unfold so carefully only now to have the pace pick up and kind of it kind of gives me like story whiplash a little bit. Yeah. I'm like wait, that that was it? That that's okay. <laughs> Did it bug you too as well how dark it was visually? Like you literally can't see what's going oh on. Oh my god. Nothing makes me feel older than watching a big battle. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people talking about this on Twitter this week. It's been a criticism of Game of Thrones for a while. But last night, I mean, really, 95% of the episode, if not 100%, were scenes at night. And you cannot see what is going on. And I stream it through DirecTV Now. I don't know if this is an HBO problem or if this is a problem depending on what streamer you are using. But, oh my god, the compression is so bad. The blacks look like shitty JPEGs in the sky. Like, I almost couldn't watch it. It was bothering me that much. Yeah, I was like, thank God for the Red Witch who held it down with all that fire because if Mm -hmm. not, I wouldn't have been able to see half of it. Yeah. It's it's really bad. It's a bizarre problem. Game of Thrones, they have all the money in the world to pull off visually the, the best picture possible. And yet they insist on making things as dark as possible. I do. I will be rewatching it probably on the larger TV because, you know, the thing about streaming is if you want to watch it when it premieres on the East Coast, which most people, if they're around, do, I have to use HBO Go to do that. So I'm, I have to do it on my laptop, you know? Uh, You can't watch that through your TV? I can, but it's just like, it's in a weird, like, it's at a weird time of the day where I don't want to take up like the one big TV if everybody wants to watch something else and I'm the only one that wants to watch Game of Thrones. Like, that's not really fair. Yeah. You know? Plus, on the um, West Coast, it's six o'clock and the sun's still out. Like, you, right, you right. want to watch I, I, in darkness. Maybe I should go under the blankets for the big <laughs> yeah. battle at King's Landing. I don't think the problem was your laptop, Pam, because like, I've, I don't know how big your TV is, Andrew. Mine's 44. Mm. So it's like, decent and i was still frustrated by the dark patches on the screen i will say to give credit where credit is due the visuals of the dragons flying through the clouds and like out into the clear sky above the cloud cover that was stunning i thought Hmm. that was nice so they have the ability to do this but yeah right we decided by the way last night that once Game of Thrones wraps after the series finale, we will do a breaking news installment in which we react to whatever the hell happens in that final episode, which I think is at the end of May or very beginning of June. It's in three weeks. Yeah. Uh, but Pat so. wants to be a part of it. Mark is welcome to too, if he wants. 
be a whole Game of Thrones watch party, post post watch party, I guess you could call it. Jules yeah. says, can I join too? Sure. Yeah, you yes. can. <laughs> It'll be a big old party. We could always, this would be super lame, but we could always like get on a Google Hangout and watch the episode together. Pat probably oh. won't want to do that. <laughs> I, Andrew's like, I have too much socialization with you already. <laughs> no, Let no. me have Game of Thrones. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't want to have a screen, another screen in my face while I'm also watching the TV. But Pat takes it way too seriously. Like last night, he wanted it complete darkness in here. He, I was like, I'm gonna have my laptop open for a little bit, and he was like, he was like very seriously telling me not to, and I said, "Fuck you, I'm going to." And that was the end of that because it's my house, my rules. Oh my god. Somebody who is also uh partying this week, Joe Biden, he announced he's running for president officially, finally, and already breaking records. Joe Biden's organization said he raised 6.3 million in the first 24 hours topping all the other candidates with 96,000 donors. And uh closest competition was Bernie Sanders with 5.9 million. Beto had a uh, 6.1 million. So I think we're all in agreement here. We're not particularly excited about Joe Biden right now. No, it's not the time, Joe. No, Joe. No, I mean, so here's the thing. I'm just going to reiterate. I will vote for whoever the Democrat is. I don't care. Like, to be honest with you, it could be a fucking ham sandwich and I would vote for it. Um, <laughs> so the bar is already low. Um, but. It just seems like, I think we've said this on the show before, it really seems like he missed his moment. Does it have to be a smart ham sandwich, at least? Can you at least draw the line at the intelligence of the ham sandwich? Andrew, it can't get any worse. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way you'd find one dumber than what we have right now. I would rather have Donald Trump over a ham sandwich, though. I'm just going to admit that. Well, you're no fun. I really like Joe Biden's logo. I feel (laughs) so it's funny. I was telling Mark the other night about how we talked about Jeb when he was running. Jeb! Uh, yeah, exactly. Anytime we mentioned him, it would be Jeb because he had an exclamation point in his logo. And Joe doesn't have anything. So I was like, how are we going to refer to Joe on the show? Is it just going to be Joe? <laughs> <laughs> well, Uncle Joe works well for him. That's what people call him affectionately. I, I like his logo, though, because the E in it looks like the stripes on the American flag. I thought that was clever. Mm-hmm. Laura and I recorded a new Landy over on Patreon. Is that right, that Laura? That is correct. We talked about a whole bunch of things. Um, we did provide some post-Endgame feels, uh, but I will say there we covered some different topics than we did in the show today, so still definitely worth checking out. Talked about some movies that we're looking forward to this summer. I talked about my really shitty uh, customer service experience at a Taco Mac after Endgame. They had not appropriately staffed, knowing that you know it was the release day for Endgame, which was a big mistake. Uh, we got some updates on your wall and your Tesla. Tesla! So just... A whole lot going on. Yeah, I have it now. Haven't spoken about it here. (laughs) I'm making you listen to my review on Patreon because now I got to pay for it. That's right. (laughs) And let me tell you, like, this Tesla does some freaky shit, y'all. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. (laughs) So that installment of Landy is over at patreon.com slash millennial. Thank you to everybody who is currently supporting us. I have a Laura's Rage of the Week. This actually relates to Endgame. 
So I've spoken about this previously, I think. I have been a customer of Cinemia. This is like MoviePass, but I thought it was better than MoviePass because they seemed to have their act together. <laughs> and I've, I've, we've been using Cinemia probably since late last year. They've had a couple hiccups, but you know what? It's worked for the most part. And we have been able to pay $9.99 a month or a little cheaper for, to see an unlimited number of movies at any theater that we want. Great deal. So as a somewhat satisfied customer at the beginning of April, my membership had expired and I committed to a one-year membership. And it was about 85 bucks, and it worked out to $7.99 a month or something like that. Again, really good deal to see as many movies as you want. So, I actually bought my Endgame ticket in advance through Cinemia. I did that about a week and a half ago. And then Thursday rolls around, Endgame night, of course, and Cinemia announces, with no warning whatsoever, that they're shutting down in the United States. Completely. Effective immediately. (laughs) So, luckily, that did not affect my Endgame ticket. However, I'm sure it affected a lot of people who hadn't bought their tickets far in advance. And I committed to a year. And Cinemia has made no mention of if they are going to reimburse the people who committed to a year in advance. So I am potentially out 80 bucks. I've already written to Chase and asked them to... uh, I've disputed the charge. Hopefully they will give me my money back. But I'm afraid I've lost a good $80. That's... Ugh. Pam, what have you been using again? I can't remember. I was actually using Cinemi and I signed up probably around the same time you did. I think in like October because I knew that Oscar season was coming up and I tend to like to watch anything that's like nominated that's getting a lot of buzz just so that I'm prepared to talk about it for my job. But uh, ironically, or I guess thankfully, I actually was too lazy to renew my Cinemi subscription after they canceled the what they used to be like $30 unlimited Mm -hmm. do you remember for like originally yeah so after they discontinued that plan they just automatically canceled everybody's subscription and said oh if you want to re-sign up like these are the new tiers and I was just too lazy to do it and then I thought to myself well you know I don't really need to like pay for that anyway because I really only had the unlimited plan for when the Oscars were happening and award show season's over. So I can just like put that off because there's not too much that I need to see anymore. So I dodged a huge bullet. Yeah. Purely based you. on laziness and procrastination, honestly. Do you think you'll go with AMC A list now, which is three movies a week for like fifteen or twenty bucks a month? I or- wish I could. But I don't have an AMC by my house. I've been I, I would love to sign up for their program because I hear it's probably the best one. Even like uh, yeah. Cinemark has a good one. And Cinemark also is not convenient for me to get to. So Cinemark is convenient for me. And I did buy that one. And that one, it's not a big commitment because it's $8.99 per month. And it's just one movie ticket. So now that sucks compared to Cinemia or AMC. But it's the closest one to me, and it's still going to save me a few bucks per movie. You can so it's eight ninety nine per month, and then eight ninety nine for each additional ticket plus twenty percent off concessions. And I think that they doesn't it roll over to or you it earn does. points or something. It, yeah, if you don't use the ticket, the one mm-hmm. allotted ticket per month, it does roll over. But I'm in. Te- I'm planning on seeing at least one yeah. movie per month. You know, I'm Mr. Hollywood. I got to see at least one movie. There you go. (laughs) If y'all want to hear my secret for how I get cheap movie tickets, uh, 
listen to the most recent Landy. That's right. You did help me out. <laughs> yeah. More more plugs to have people find out what our behind the scenes look like over at Patreon. We're trying to plug that. It's important yeah. to us. You know, it, it keeps the show rocking and rolling. We would really appreciate your support. Cool stuff. Uh, before we jump into some news, we wanted to hear a quick word from one of our sponsors, Rothy's. Rothy's is the company making insanely stylish and comfortable flats from recycled water bottles. Looking at their over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews, it's no surprise they're becoming one of the most gotta have them brands. I love my Rothy's, which I've had for almost a year now, by the way, and I love them for any occasion. I wear them to work, out for drinks, to walk my dog. I even wore them at the gym once when I forgot my tennis shoes, and they fared just fine through my cardio and lifting. So that's like the best endorsement. Pam, you have a pair of Rothy's, right? I do like you have had mine for almost a year. They look great, even though I've washed them quite a few times, because that's a thing that you can do. And they're honestly the most comfortable flats I own. I actually made the mistake for the sake of fashion of wearing another pair of flats, just like normal ones. And I got a blister and the whole time I was limping back to my car from this event I was at, I was thinking that my Rothy's would have never done me so dirty. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Rothy's come in a wide range of colors and patterns. They're available in four different silhouettes as well. Plus, they're consistently launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair. Another added bonus, they're machine washable. So every time you need a refresh, just remove the insoles and toss them in the wash and just let them air dry. Rothy's are manufactured in a zero-waste factory, and they're shipped directly in the shoebox, so no unnecessary packaging. These are shoes that look really good, but you can also feel really good about wearing them. You can check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash M-I-L-L. That's rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash M-I-L-L to get your new favorite flats. These combine comfort, style, and sustainability. You really can't go wrong. So head on over to rothys.com slash M-I-L-L and your feet will thank you. Are you two as addicted to Amazon as I am? Yes. Yeah, me too. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. They are ramping up free one-day delivery with Prime and... As far as I can tell, it's going to be all over America. As everybody knows, the the big selling point about Prime for the past few years, it's been the fact that you get free two-day delivery. And it's been amazing because it's like, well, I could go to the store or I can just continue sitting on my couch and get something I need but I don't need right now in two days. Now that Target and Walmart and these other retailers have caught up to Amazon with this free two-day shipping... Amazon saying, okay, now we're, (laughs) fuck you guys, we're going to do free one day shipping. (laughs) And I've been looking products that I normally buy. I don't see one day yet, but it sounds like it's coming very soon. They announced during their most recent earnings call that they have been investing 800 million in one day delivery. They've done that in the most recent quarter. They said that they, quote, turned the dial significantly in April on one-day delivery. So it sounds like they are trying to ramp up quick. Personally, when I order some things on Amazon, if I order it early enough in the day, it is going to arrive the next day, even Mm -hmm. though they're telling me it's going to take two days. You've seen that too, Laura? 
Yeah, it usually has like a counter on the item where it says order within the next two hours or so to have uh, free shipping for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of shopping late at night and I am uh, constantly surprised by, you know, how many of the things that I need are available to be delivered the next day still at like midnight, you know, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And honestly, um, even right now, you can do same day delivery for a small fee. Like I've done it before where I really needed something, ordered it in the morning. I think I paid like an extra three or four bucks to get same day. And I got home and it was right there waiting for me. So by including one day shipping in Amazon Prime, they're getting a leg up on the competition. They're remaining competitive. And it is extremely tempting. Personally, I will probably end up starting to order more on Amazon because if I know it is coming tomorrow, that's a game changer. I'm just thinking of a couple of items I'll get once or twice a month, like maybe a mouthwash or um, (laughs) doggy poop bags. I don't know. If I know it's going to be here tomorrow, that's fine. I can usually Mm -hmm. wait a day. Two days, sometimes it's like, eh, maybe I'll just run to Target. But one day, I can wait. Yeah. I mean, as it stands right now, I would say that I order something from Amazon on average once a month. Mm -hmm. So I only see that number going up from here. Um, I do the same thing. I don't know if you guys take advantage of the subscribe and save from Amazon, but that's how I get my coffee. Oh, okay. So yeah, so I I like Pete's Coffee, which is uh, an establishment out here. And I think that they've expanded a little bit further, but it started out here in the Bay Area. And I really like their Major Dickinson Blend Dark Roast. So I will order that or I have it placed to recur order. And I know it's going to come once a month and it's a 20 ounce bag. So the 20 ounce bag will last me the whole month. And then the next month, the coffee will just show up and it's really great because as much as I love coffee, it's one of those things that I forget to check on whenever I go grocery shopping. So it's just nice to know that it's going to be there before I run out. And plus you get a little discount. Did you mention that? Yes, that's right. Yeah. I think um, it's, I think it's like $12 for the 20 ounce bag. And that's pretty good for, you know, something that I enjoy. Cause if I were to go to an actual Pete's and just buy the whole bean or even have them grind it for me, it would be way more. Yeah. The reason I now I don't order like crazy from Amazon, but I would say at least once a week. I'm always really proud of myself when I go a while without ordering from Amazon. But on average, I probably end up ordering once a week. I just know that everything I could want is going to be available and for the best price. And you get all the reviews so you can know know if you can trust something or not. Sometimes you got to order something obscure or you got to go to go to the store for something obscure. And you don't know if they're going to have it or not. Sometimes I go to the store and I price check on Amazon while I'm there. Me too. And I always yeah. feel bad because like if Me you're too. in a mom and pop shop or something, you don't want them to catch you doing that. I would yeah. feel it's like always shit. at Target, so I don't feel that bad. <laughs> yeah, don't feel bad for Target. They're fine. On top of the fact, Andrew, you brought up just like the availability of items. The quality is also really good most of the time. Yeah. I I can't really remember a lot of occasions where I was unsatisfied when I got something from Amazon. And even if you are, their return policy is super flexible Uh, and they make it really easy. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because I just read that they're bringing this nationwide, but this has actually been the case in my area for at least a year. You can return items at Kohl's 
and I know like Coles, what the fuck? I've got a Coles kind of near near me on the way to another place I go to frequently. But the the killer thing about it is you don't have to put the item in a box or anything. You just bring the item into Kohl's and they'll wrap it and ship it back to Amazon. And Kohl's gives you a 25% off coupon for use within Kohl's every time I return something. That's so pretty good because Kohl's is expensive. It, I go and return an item at Kohl's and then I go buy a new sweater downstairs. <laughs> at a discount. So are they... Are they verifying that it's something you bought from Amazon or could you theoretically walk in with like any random piece of junk from your house and be like, I hated this? No, no. So you got to load up your app and you have a barcode because you got to initiate the return first through Amazon. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's so easy to return things through Amazon, as you're saying, Laura. Do you guys ever have that amazing thing happen where you try to return something, then Amazon says... We're going to refund you. Don't send it back to us. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's literally never happened to me, and I'm kind of jealous. Jackpot. (laughs) That's when you hit the jackpot. What it is, from what I understand, is that Amazon deems it not worth sending it back because after the cost of shipping that they would have to eat, they would just lose money on the item. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Do do any of us, are we afraid this is going to turn us into even bigger shut-ins? little bit (laughs) but a new target just opened near me it's a city target so it's like a mini target and i'm super excited about it because now i have an excuse to leave the house and walk a few blocks to go grab a few things so it because of that no i'm not concerned i also go to target just to browse like sometimes i go in (laughs) and i don't even realize it's been two hours yeah it's fun it's fun to just walk around go through the clearance section Target's always mm-hmm. got a good clearance section. Yeah, the clothes section, the shoe section, shoe section. Yep. Stationery. Love sta- Oh, I know, but that that's like my best friend also worked at Target for 2 years and she can barely go in there except for necessities now. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel and it's that. like Target has all these crazy acronyms for their different employees, so like nobody is called a manager, they're called a leader on duty. Uh. And they shorten it to LOD. And so I'll be in the store and I'll hear somebody's walkie be like, LOD to guest services. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> not again. They have to say LOD. They can't say load. <laughs> we need a load at guest services. That'd be but weird. No, it's it's like ridiculous. Like they will have like somebody called like instead of like a front end manager, they're called a guest service team lead. <laughs> and it's shortened to GSTL. That, that sounds like an STDL. That's what I, my friend was. I know. <laughs> and you have to like say all of this shit over the walkie with a straight face. And meanwhile, customers are looking at you like, what kind of ridiculous corporate jargon is this? <laughs> Do you ever like walk in with Mark and then hear these people through their walkie talkies and just turn to him and go, shit's going down. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah. No, sometimes you can tell like there are certain like numerical codes that they would use where like, you know, something's going on that is is awry um and that's when you're just like all these poor people are having a rough day so anyway everyone keep an eye out for free one day shipping being made available in your area if you are a prime member i assume people in the cities are going to notice this first and then the big big goal for amazon will be making this work in the suburbs as well 
Well, I have a little update for you guys because we've talked a bit before about uh, the Academy, aka Steven Spielberg, trying to cockblock Netflix from Oscar glory. And uh, sucks to be him because the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences held their annual meeting last week and they decided against adopting a new rule that would block streaming sites like Netflix or other people from competing for Best Picture at the Oscars. So they're going to keep the current rule which, as stands, requires a minimum one-week run at a Los Angeles County theater to qualify for Best Picture consideration. And in a statement that the Academy released shortly after the meeting wrapped, they said, quote, motion picture released... Motion pictures released in non-theatrical media on or after the first day of their Los Angeles County theatrical qualifying run remain eligible, which means that something could technically premiere on Netflix the same day it has their however-many-week run at the local theater, for example, in LA and still qualify to compete. Um, obviously, this is a big win for Netflix and also for streaming sites like Hulu or Amazon if they want to compete for Best Picture at the Oscars. But it's also a really big win for indie filmmakers and filmmakers of color. A lot of these people don't have the means to roll out big theatrical releases. So by changing the rules, it's possible that, you know, people like that could also suffer. So it's not just like big cash cow money making studios that are benefiting benefiting from this, which I think is really nice. And the Academy president, John Bailey, also kind of alluded to this, saying also in a statement, our rules currently require theatrical exhibition and also allow for a broad selection of films to be submitted for Oscar consideration. So there's always a chance that they could revisit the rules based on how the film industry is changing. But for right now, everything's going to stay the same. So good. Mm -hmm. Look, if you make a movie, to me, it doesn't matter where it debuts or, or where it lives. I hate this idea that you have a, a movie would have to be seen on a big screen to be considered eligible for the Oscars. It's silly. And I think, as we said the last time we spoke about this, it's very old man yells at cloud. Stop. Yeah. It's also like a pay to play model. And that's ultimately what results in underrepresented perspectives um, from getting that kind of like wide mainstream attention. So yeah, fuck you, Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And here's the other thing, as we documented earlier in the episode, when you enter the movie theater, there's a good chance there's going to be a couple assholes there. And I'm getting tired of taking that risk. So as time goes on, I'm probably going to be going to the movie theater less. The only way I can guarantee I won't be interrupted while watching a movie is if I'm watching it at home. Also, the price point is really big, too. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's settled down a little bit. But for a while, it just kind of felt like ticket prices were going up and up and up. And and uh, especially when you think about, say, like a family trying to go to the movies together, it's really expensive. Yeah. Like I have, um, there's six of us kids total counting my half siblings. So like if my dad and stepmom want to take us to the movies, for example, that's eight tickets. Mm hmm. Which is a lot. Uh, before we move on to our last news story of the day, we did want to hear from one of our sponsors, FabFitFun. The 2019 FabFitFun Spring Box is on sale now. 
treat yourself with items in it, such as Dr. Brandt No More Baggage ID Puffing Gel, Mana Kadar Champagne Body Scrub, and Levito Aromatic Body Lotion in Mandarin Orange and Bergamot. FabFitFun is perfect for the beauty maven on the go who loves discovering new products. And if you're stumped on gift ideas, FabFitFun is a great gift for everyone. Surprise your mom or sister with the spring box as a gift or to show thanks. FabFitFun is also an awesome idea for Mother's Day, which is right around the corner. So forget the flowers and get mom something she'll really love. I always love getting my box because I know it's going to be packed full of high-end products that I never would have tried on my own. Andrew and Pam, I know y'all got the spring box. Which products did you like the most? I really enjoy the face masks. This is something I don't normally do, but when they've come in these boxes, Pat and I have done them together and it's just, they're so refreshing. We did the bubbly tea one recently and it just feels so good and you feel so refreshed afterwards. What I really like about these boxes is it's just filled with little surprises. I think the one of the things that I really like about the boxes is that you really do get a good bang for your buck. Like Andrew, you were mentioning the bubbling tea mask that's by Glam Glow, which is a pretty pricey higher end uh, skincare line that they sell at Sephora. So uh, to see that they put like multiple of those in our last box was really cool. Sometimes I really love the little trinkets that you get because it's not just beauty products. Uh, so I really liked the uh, little jewelry dish because I've been looking for something to put my daily earrings and rings and stuff like that in. And it just looks super cute. It's like this rose gold pink geometric pattern. And it just looks great at my desk. I put that in my guest bathroom. Perfect. Yeah. See, now when people are washing their face at the end of the day, they can put all of their stuff in there. <laughs> exactly. The next time my mom's over here, she's going to see that. And I know she's going to comment on it. Oh, that's cute. Where do you get that? <laughs> I really love, Pam, that you brought up how pricey some of the individual items are. Most of the items that come in these boxes actually like have a full retail value that costs more than the box itself, which is phenomenal. Um, FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box delivered four times a year with full-size beauty, fashion, home, fitness, and wellness products for just $49.99 a box. And we weren't kidding when we said these are full-size products. You're not going to be getting sample sizes of anything, the spring box's total retail value is actually anywhere from 238 to $340, depending on what you get in it. But you're only paying $49.99. It's a really good deal. Sign up for FabFitFun today. These boxes always sell out super fast. Use our code MILL to get $10 off your first box. Go to FabFitFun.com to sign up and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. That's over a $200 value for just $39.99. You really can't lose here. Head on over to FabFitFun.com and use our code M-I-L-L to get $10 off your first box. They give you these full-size items because they want to get you hooked. Yeah. And you do. And then you're like, oh, shit, I need more of this. Wait a yeah, second. That's and true. then you're like, oh, I just have to buy another box. <laughs> yeah, basically. I'm actually running low on this leave-in conditioner they sent a few oh, boxes ago. And I'm yes. already thinking, well, the Sephora sale's coming up. So I might just repurchase that. Girl, I love that stuff. Me like, too. It smells I so always, good. Like right after the shower, I like brush my hair out and then just spritz it like, uh -huh. into my wet hair. Oh, it smells so good. It does smell really good. Well, anyway. 
Uh, I hope you guys aren't sick of hearing me talk because the next news story is mine. And it's no surprise that mine is covering a new study from the Pew Research Center because I like them so much. They did a study into how Americans use Twitter. Uh Uh-oh. And I thought... And I thought that some of the takeaways here were fun, but I also thought it would be a great chance to turn this conversation into an edition of The Number. Yeah, I'm super curious about this survey, but you told us to not click. So I'm like, well, you Mm -hmm. don't actually get to take the survey. Right. This is a study that's already been done. Oh, I misspoke. I meant I want to read the survey. You're keeping me on pins and needles. Well, yeah, you would be cheating. Yeah. So now I know how it feels when I make you all play the number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then we come up with some like astronomically high number and you're like, uh, no, it's 12. He's like, you I idiot. podcast with two dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We'll, we'll see how I do. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to take some of the big takeaways from this and make you guys guess which number is associated with each of these statements. So for number one, 22% of U.S. adults use Twitter, but Pew wanted to find out how we're using social media. They actually got permission to look at the accounts of people who took their survey and were able to determine how engaged most users are and how self-reported use matches up with actual use, which is a really fun part of this study. So the most prolific tweeters, those in the top 10% by number of tweets, are responsible for what percentage of all tweets created by U.S. adults? First of all, I just want to say, if you tweet a lot on Twitter, you need to get a life. (laughs) I see some people's tweet counts on Twitter. I'm like, oh, Jesus. You know what? Mine is really high. And I think it's because when Twitter, I've been on Twitter for like over 10 years now. And I think because when it first came out, nobody really knew how to use it. It was just kind of like this weird instant message thread. You know, you just tweet back and forth with your friends because that's all you had to do. Now it's a little bit more sophisticated, I feel like, my I'm looking at you have 17,800 tweets. That's what I'm saying. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. That's I not got a lot. way more than you. Really? Yeah. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better. I thought I had a high uh, Twitter count. I've got 33,400. Oh, okay. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> Hang on. I have to check mine now. Where do I even see that, y'all? It's like right at the top under your... Profile picture, I think it tells you. You go to your profile. Oh no, it doesn't. You have to be on desktop. I'm on my phone. Oh, yeah. Well, then somebody else will have to tell me how many tweets I have. <laughs> well, I would, but your username is stupid. It's got like eighty <laughs> R's. How many Every R's? Every time is I tweet it? at you, I it's got eight R's. L A U R one two three four five six seven eight. And then what? Ida I T A. Ida. Yeah, like Laurita. And then what? That's it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have you guess. How many times do you think you've tweeted? This includes at replies. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so nervous. Um, I'll say 17,000. Oh, God. You are way off. It's only 3,500. Okay, cool. Yeah. Idiot. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know what's average. I pay a lot of attention to Twitter. I guess I just don't tweet that much. Let me ask you this. Do you remember when you joined Twitter? I think it was 2008. Yes. May 2008. I was September 2007. Well, that's because you've always been an early adopter, Andrew. It's true. It's true. I, um, I actually joined earlier and then I deleted my profile because I 
I didn't realize that people could like at reply you. And I think I, I, I was like in downtown San Francisco and I tweeted about a cute guy I saw and that guy found the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I got really scared. Wow. I should have just gone with it, but I just I, I felt really like my privacy had been violated. Yeah. So I deleted I would. the account. Yeah. All right. So to answer Laura's question, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say 60%. Sorry, Laura. We got sidetracked. That That's is totally fine. I live for these side conversations. Me too. That's in, I don't think it's 60%. I want to say 30%. Well, you're both wrong, but Pam was closer. It's 80%. Holy shit. Yeah. So the top 10% of tweeters by number of tweets are responsible for 80% of all tweets. That is crazy. <laughs> Y'all need to get a life. Well, I've seen, I don't know who they are, but they're these two guys. They're twins. And they are constantly at the top of the replies to like every Donald Trump tweet. <laughs> every single one. And like they hate him and I hate him. So we have that in common. But every time I like click to read the replies, I'm like, oh, you again? Jesus. It's because they get noticed by reply. If you reply to a tweet really quick, like everybody will see that tweet and they're probably growing their followings that way. Maybe I should do that. I know. I was just thinking maybe I should. (laughs) You know what I hate? Credit to Facebook. Facebook has this algorithm. So if you become friends with somebody, you won't start seeing somebody's posts if they post a lot. But Twitter, if you follow somebody before following them, you need to check to make sure that they don't tweet a lot because... Sometimes you'll start following somebody and then they're nonstop tweeting. They're clogging up your feed. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. I regret following this person. 100% just muted people that I don't want to unfollow. Yeah, I I do that too now. I, I usually, the first thing I'll usually do is turn off retweets and that'll weed out oh, a lot really of the shit. that's really smart. Yeah. Moving on to Twitter behavior. The median Twitter user posts how many tweets a month favorites how many tweets a month follows how many accounts and has how many followers that's a lot of blanks yeah let's (laughs) let's start with the let's start with the first one the median twitter user posts how many tweets a month i'll say 10 oh i was gonna go higher than that um i'll say 25 like one tweet a day ish Okay, the answer is two. Yeah. I figured because a lot of people sign up for Twitter and then they just don't use it or Mm -hmm. use it very Mm -hmm. infrequently. How many tweets do you think they favorite a month? It's got to be even less. This is the median user. I'll say two. I'll say ten. The answer is one. Mm. So they only favorite one a month. How many accounts do they follow? 25. Maybe like 400. No. 89. Oh. Huh. And how many followers do we think they have? 89. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should just go lower now. 55. Andrew, if you had said your last answer this time, you would have been right. It's 25. Oh, okay. <laughs> I favorite a lot of tweets every day as like a nod to them, or if it's really fucking funny. I, yeah. I favorite for that and also because... You know, I write news. I, I will favorite things to circle back to to either like read up on or also report on. Okay. So my my favorite count is like super ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I probably favorite more 
than I actually tweet. Yeah. Last one, among the most prolific tweeters, again, those in the top 10% of number or by number of tweets, this percentage are women. Think about those influencers. Okay. Then I'll say 70%. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the influencers thing was a clue. I'll say, I'll go a little lower, 65 Andrew, you're right. <gasps> wow. Right on the money. Yeah, 65% of the top 10 tweeters by number of tweets are women. Wow. It's interesting. And I think the other thing that I really like about this is they found something really interesting, which is that self-reported Twitter use generally matched up with actual use. So when they did this survey, they got permission to look at people's accounts when they answered in the affirmative that they do use Twitter. And all of this data about like the average number of tweets, how much they like things, how many accounts they follow, all of that pretty much added up with their self-reported behavior, which Hmm. sounds obvious, but sometimes in research that can be kind of tricky to arrive at that conclusion because people oftentimes lie or at the very least, will like under or overestimate how much they do something. So the fact that people are this clued in on something that they're doing pretty mindlessly on their smartphones says something. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it says, but it it says something. (laughs) And the other cool thing is that few realize that they can now actually start studying whether people's sentiments on Twitter match their real life beliefs. So, you know, we hear a lot of the time about like people's internet personalities and how shit that you say on social media is not stuff you would actually say or think in real life. Now that's interesting. Yeah. So they're going to start looking into that next. And I'm anxiously waiting for the results from that. Cause we all have online personas, right? Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Laura, Twitter Laura is like a little different from Facebook Laura, even because like she? I'm, yeah, because I'm like Facebook friends with family members. I don't want them to see all my personal shit. I mean, and then Facebook Pam is non existent. So I guess that yeah. makes sense. What about podcast Laura? Is she different from Laura, uh, Twitter Laura, and Facebook Laura? I don't know. I feel like podcast Laura and Twitter Laura have a lot in common. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I could agree with that. <laughs> I'm definitely more open, like here and then on Twitter as a platform. Yes, hundred percent. I I'm more reserved on Facebook by like a thousand times over yep. because of uh, Republican family members. Honestly, that's that's it. <laughs> Same. It's it's interesting because it's like there are certain people in in Facebook, like in your feed, who have not yet evolved to use other social <laughs> platforms. <laughs> So their 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 primary platform of choice is Facebook, and you're like, eh, I don't right. want to be around this anymore. <laughs> right? Do we think? Well, I mean, I kind of already talked about this, but do you guys think that there are significant differences between your Twitter personas and your actual selves? Twitter and IRL me are probably about the same, and like you, Twitter and podcast me are also the same. I think. I guess I'm a little more salty on Twitter than I would. No, I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm funny in real life. Like people laugh at my oh, jokes, IRL. I'm like, oh, that's good. Sweet. I, 
I've still got it. <laughs> Twitter me got it in the real world. <laughs> I know. Anytime I get like more than 20 likes or like retweets, I feel special. I'm like, oh. Right. We spoke about this recently about I likes know. and how they affect us. It's one reason I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye out for future research into this by Pew. I really want to see, like, I would love to see, for example, somebody who, like, spouts, like, really extreme ideological views on social media, like, what their day-to-day yeah. is. Yeah. Because didn't, the, the, I think the New York Times also recently reported on a study that found that like 90% of commentary you see on social media is bullshit. Like that's not a real thing. It's like a really small number of people within like all of these different factions and that like most regular people fall somewhere in the middle on things. So it'll be interesting to see this. It'll shed more light. And you know what actually part of the problem is what happens is 10 people bitch about something on social media. And then websites will pick up these tweets and act like all of the internet is pissed about something. So, for example, let's say some people hated a twist in Endgame. It could be just five people. That's enough for Variety to go write an article. Internet outraged at what is actually a small thing that nobody really cares about these tweets get blown out of proportion they're given way more weight so to speak than they deserve and i hate when websites do that but they do it because it gets clicks yeah it's kind of similar to something that we talked about on MuggleCast a few weeks ago where they right. completely took like a quote out of context that jk rowling had had said and then reported on like a couple people being pissed off about it and then all of a sudden it became a viral sensation yeah it was very vitriolic and got mean-spirited at times you can find any opinion on anything on twitter and create an article out of it i can go right now and probably find 500 tweets about how the america's ass joke in endgame was Way too gay. I did not think you were going to take it there. (laughs) (laughs) Internet believes America's ass line way too gay. I thought you were going to say it was problematic, sexist objectification. (laughs) I mean, there were there was there were a small faction of people who were upset about the portrayal of Thor. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And because they were making fun of it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. I was like, actually, I think that what I loved about that was it was kind of rooted in the realism of like the depression that you would go through if half of everyone you knew disappeared. Yeah, I actually tweeted about that over the yeah. weekend because that's what I took away from it. Um, you know, funny, like like lazy jokes aside or, you know, careless jokes or untasteful jokes, if that's how you feel, I think that. Uh, Focusing on that is kind of taking away from the fact that um, that's a very real side effect of depression. So, yeah, I agree with that. But then we shouldn't be laughing at that Thor, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think that uh, if you want to go even deeper, you could even make some parallels between how um, because mental health is is so invisible, like that is a reaction that people might have if you were going through something like that. Right. Ooh. So. Man, Marvel getting in deep here. Yeah, but <laughs> but it's hard to know because, you know, I didn't write the movie. Like, they haven't said anything. So. Speaking of the media and reactions to things in movies, there is a quote-unquote gay character introduced in the MCU oh, yeah. and Endgame. Some art, some websites, including BuzzFeed, wrote about this in a way that is like, "This is really, this is a really big deal, you guys." No, are you fucking kidding me? Some random character played by the director makes two or three passing lines to dating a guy and suddenly we're supposed to end like act like the mcu has a gay character in it no well and the thing that i think people are missing the big takeaway here which is that it wasn't a big deal and that's a good thing yeah it, it was yeah it was not like they weren't introducing him as like a stereotypically gay character that you were supposed to just be able to identify by how he talked or how he looked. Mm -hmm. It was just something normal in passing. And he's talking about losing his partner in front of Captain America, who's like, of course, representative of all things American. And Cap just treats him like anybody else who lost somebody. Yeah. And I thought that was the important thing is that like, yeah, when 50% of everyone you know and love gets wiped out, it it kind of puts people on this like equal playing field where we've all had this loss so we can all understand something really deep and intrinsic about each other yeah i mean that's 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 fine i just really hate how people were turning it into a big deal and not for that reason they were like they wanted to pat marvel on the back for it i'm just like no they did not deserve that if if we're going to pat Marvel on the back for LGBTQ representation, it's going to be for a LGBTQ hero in a Marvel movie, not a random character in a scene that probably could have ended up on the cutting room floor. Right. I mean, fun fact, I'm pretty sure didn't Captain Marvel in certain comics, wasn't she with... I think like one of the spider people offshoots who was also like female. I don't know. There are so, there are some gay characters in the Marvel mm -hmm. universe to be sure. They just haven't been depicted on screen yeah. yet. So at least not their their sexuality hasn't in any way been represented on screen. And I don't want them to throw it in our faces, but also make a reference to it. Just like you do the uh the sexual orientation of many other Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I was also just thinking how there was that quote-unquote exclusively gay moment in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the longing nope. look. <laughs> yeah, please. No, they do not deserve credit for that. Stop. Anyway, Pam, what are we talking about in After Dark today? There's been a trend going on among celebrities that are coming after pop culture critics and 
I think just given <laughs> what we just talked about right now regarding uh, Twitter and uh, this trend that's on the rise right now on social media, uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about that in After Dark a little bit. Yeah. And especially poignant, considering that we give our opinion on here, but also, you know, Andrew and I work in entertainment news and we critique things too. So it's right. an interesting discussion. Also, recently on Patreon, we posted the audio of our most recent face-to-face. So Laura, Pam, Mark, and I hung out for a half hour prior to recording the most recent episode with one of our patrons, JY. Other people are invited. It's just that nobody else made it. <laughs> so we uh, we decided to release this on Patreon because we had a really great discussion in that half hour about all kinds of things. We spoke about how we protect our privacy when we're always sharing so much information yeah. online. How do we protect our privacy in the real world? That ended up being a good chat. It really did. And to be honest, just kind of disappointed more of y'all weren't there. It's like when you're when you throw a party. Yeah. And yeah. then nobody shows up. You know? But you know what? The real winner was JY who did exactly. show up. <laughs> she so. did. She's like the good friend who always has our back no matter it's what. True. We also She's post- loyal. We also post just extra little <laughs> tidbits throughout each week. For example, uh, Sarah, who was a guest on the show recently, she sent us a picture of the chicken head from the chicken head story that she shared when she was on the show. So we posted that. They posed with a security guard who seemed a little alarmed. Alarmed. Uh, also, conversation b- between Jewel, our social media manager, and her mother. Turns out her mother, ladies, is also listening to this podcast oh, <laughs> now dear. that Jewel has a job here. <laughs> Hi, Jewel's mom. Yeah. I hope Welcome we haven't scared show. you away yet. Oh, Jewel, oh. Jewel, who's listening right now, said uh, her mom was only listening to the episode she was on. Well, maybe oh. your mom is a fan <laughs> now and is going to listen every week. <laughs> She listened to our discussion on slow-closing toilet seats, and Jules' mom bought slow-closing toilet seats again after hearing us talk about them. <laughs> she said that our discussion reminded us of how lovely they are. <laughs> <laughs> so Aww. we just post this extra content every week. Oh, also a photo of me filling up my old car with gas for the last time. And I'm making a sad face because it was sad, but not really. Patreon.com slash millennial. It's where you can get tons of extra content each week, including access to our live stream. Thanks, everybody who's tuning in on this Monday night. Yeah. Also access to our Discord channel where you can live chat with us while we stream. Yeah. Always a fun time. And throughout the week, all of our listeners are there throughout the week. As are we. Yeah. I like I like to go in there sometimes with a question of the day. Yeah. My That's favorite. Cute. Laura message was just, hey, guys, I'm lighting up right now. <laughs> that was did it. I? Yeah, you did that a few weeks back. <laughs> I hope that was on 420. <laughs> I don't think I, it was. It, it was been. on a random day. <laughs> it might have been when we found out the Mueller report was coming out or something. Maybe. Also a fitting time to light up. <laughs> Laura acting like she doesn't get high every day. Anyway, <laughs> time now for recommendations so Starbucks recently announced that they revamped their rewards program. And I heard about this and I didn't, I didn't care. I thought they probably just made it harder to get coffee and other rewards. I finally took a closer look at it. Turns out I was wrong. Now, getting a free coffee or tea only costs 50 stars. 
it used to it used to cost like a hundred. They've cut they've cut that in half. You can also now use your rewards for food and other Starbucks products. I am overjoyed because I only get coffee and tea at Starbucks. I don't get any fancy drinks. And now that I can use my stars uh, for more is just amazing. So what was once, uh, you know, like 100 stars to get a free coffee, I can now get two free coffees at that same price. So I recommend checking out Starbucks's new rewards program because they revamped it. And if you drink coffee or tea like me or you like their food, you have a lot more options now. I wonder if that's accounting for an increase in usage of that app. And I asked that because the other day I had a really weird interaction with a Starbucks, like a barista, like at the drive-thru. Because mm-hmm. like I pulled up and this this is usually my conversation, right? At Starbucks. Usually the person at the window will be like, oh my God, I love your hair. And I say, thank you. And this particular guy was like, oh man, I love your hair. It's so pretty. And then he saw my Deathly Hallows necklace and he was like, oh, Harry Potter, what house are you in? And I said, Ravenclaw, what about you? And then somebody started talking to him over his headset and I'm holding my card out waiting for him to take it. And he just like reaches out the window with the scanner and just points it at my card and starts trying to scan. (laughs) And I was so confused. I was like, do I do I give this to you? And then I just felt a lot of secondhand embarrassment because I could tell he was embarrassed. And now I think maybe he thought I had my phone out and was like scanning the code or something. I wonder if he thought it was a gift card. Or he's just so used to scanning people's phones through the drive-thru that maybe he just did it without thinking. So did you end up paying for that Starbucks order? I did. Yeah. No, because I literally said to him, I was like, don't I give this to you? <laughs> like, please take this. Yeah. But I had I had so much secondhand embarrassment because I was like, oh, you just got busy and distracted and you were being nice and complimenting my hair and my necklace. and People just lose their minds over your hair, Laura. I know. It's great. It is a Everybody striking Everybody should blue. dye their hair blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for my recommendation, I'm going to recommend uh, practicing handwriting. No. I know, that, I know that's a weird recommendation, but it's a lost art. And I know this because I just got done signing like 1,300 uh, album art pieces for MuggleCast. <laughs> and like, I couldn't, like, my hands started to cramp. After I would be signing for a while. And I was like, geez, like, why is this so hard? And it, it occurred to me, I was like, I don't really handwrite things anymore. Yeah. And it- so I guess I'm just not used to it. And like, I would be writing for a while. And then I'd get to the point where I was like, oh, I feel like, you know, I want the signature to look clean. I don't want it to look rushed or anything like that. So I would take breaks and stuff. So I basically just had to spread it out over the course of like three weeks I do think about that from time to time. Are we going to lose our ability to hand write? At least for me, the only time I put pen to paper is when I'm signing a check or using my little yeah. to-do list notepad. But other than that, I'm barely writing at all. I have a planner, like a an old school, pl- not old school, but it, it is a planner, like a paper planner. Yeah. So I write in that. Um, and I write um, also whenever I do interviews. And at junkets, I, I take notes. That Old school there. journalist. Look at you. Well, I ha- yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, here's the thing, though. It's a lot easier to, like, make note of a quote that you want to use in your article later. Um, 
if you write it down, instead of having to go through like 15, 20, 30 minutes of audio, then I just have to listen for the cue instead of listening to the whole thing back. So it's actually an efficiency thing. Um, But I I like the pain. (laughs) I feel like like I'm getting things done. Yeah, if like my hand is starting to cramp, I'm like, man, I must be doing some good work because I'm just going. Give it to me. (laughs) Make me write more. Speaking of handwriting, we are going to be handwriting letters to our patrons, our Facebook official patrons. We are. In a couple months' time. I, I think we're each going to write about 30, 35. Okay. Yeah, it should be all right. It'll it'll be it fun. Be I'm just going to write random shit on my letter. Like what song I'm currently listening to. And... You know what I'll probably That's do? Like, I'll like dear probably... diary, you'll never guess what <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> yeah, right. I like confess all my <laughs> deepest, darkest secrets through these letters. <laughs> I'll probably, do, I'll probably do high thoughts. Like I'll get high. That's actually and sit down and write Laura. a letter. I would sign up for that. <laughs> How much ink does this pen have in it? Okay, y'all. So, like, real. This is real life. One time, I got really high, and I was thinking about Rent, like the, the musical. musical. And I was, I had the song "Seasons of Love" in my head, and I just like turned to Mark, and I was like, "Oh my god." how much do you think a year of love costs? <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, if you added up like all of the things that you spent money on or all of your time that you devoted, like if you put like a value to your time, like how much do you think it would be? And he, he was like, stop talking. Oh, he <laughs> should have been like, baby, you're priceless. <laughs> no, he's not that cheesy. <laughs> Pam, what's your rec? Uh, I'm going to recommend the last thing that I bought on Amazon. I'm a really big fan of popcorn. That's like my favorite snack. If I'm going to have a snack, it's just (laughs) popcorn. But um, and I like to buy just like the kernels in bulk because it's cheaper. And I was making it on the stovetop for a really long time until I realized that you can actually buy uh, collapsible silicone popcorn poppers that you can stick in your microwave. And these things are so great because you don't have to wait for the pan to heat up if you're just going to like air pop it or you don't have to put like oil in there which adds excess fat if you don't want to you just stick a bunch of kernels in this thing and put like the silicone topper on it and then it's ready in four minutes uh there's very little mess up like mess or waste or like mess or cleanup i should say because you can just like eat it straight out of the thing that you're popping it in and you can like customize it because like you don't have to add salt or like fat if you don't want to or butter or anything like that um which is something that you often can't do if you just buy little bags of popcorn so i'm really enjoying that and you can get them for like 12 bucks on amazon it's the best investment all right well that concludes this week's episode thanks everybody for listening don't forget to check out our new social media channels instagram.com slash millennial show twitter.com slash millennial show and facebook.com slash millennial show. That's where you can follow us. We definitely recommend following us on Instagram first. Uh, That is where most of our posts are going to originate from. Wherever you follow us, you will remain up to date on latest happenings concerning this show. We we posted a picture of Pam's dog (laughs) recently. He's so cute. I told my mom because I got the alert when we were out. I was like, oh, the picture of Jasper is up on the millennial Instagram. And she was just like, really? And she was so excited that so many people had liked his picture. So if you guys want to make my mom cry 
and you haven't liked it yet, you should go give it a like because every time she asks for the update, like the like count update, she gets so happy. She asked for an update? That's adorable. Yeah, she asked me like when it first went up and I was like, I don't know, it's got like this many. And then she asked me at the end of the night before she went to bed. (laughs) And then she asked me this morning. That's great. So she's keeping up. <laughs> Got more likes than Pat in the Tesla, I see. I'm comparing Oops, like counts sorry, now. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Got more likes than a photo of Beyonce. Wow. You know what? That That is a reason to be proud. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. It's apples and oranges, y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It's not a competition. No. Except it completely is. <laughs> she's definitely like, she's going to be happy regardless because she's not going to look at any other picture. But every time that it increases, she's just like, oh, they like him. It just warms her heart. It's really funny. Lots going on on our social media channels. Check it out. Instagram.com slash millennial show. We're about to head over into After Dark. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye. See ya. It's not like the others Like a rainbow with all of the colors Baby doll when it comes to a lover I promise that you'll never find another like me here